everyone, Mia Paulus here with the Simplicity in Business and Life podcast. Today we're going to talk about five different types of outsourcing. And uh, I'm coming up on 15 years of being in business and finding ways to simplify business. So I thought today I would talk a little bit about my journey and um, just my, my experience and the different types of outsourcing and how it's really been able to help the small and medium business owner. And these solutions weren't there 15, 20 years ago like they are today. So I think it's pretty exciting uh, what businesses have for resources. So let me keep the music and then we'll get right in. No, it doesn't have to be so hard No, it doesn't have to be so hard Business and life made simple All right, so I was just kind of just pondering and thinking about what I wanted to talk about today because outsourcing is something that I live and breathe and something that I've been involved with for 15 years. So it's something that I can definitely speak off the cuff about for for quite a while. And uh, this spring, I'm coming up on 15 years of being in business. And as you start to think about, okay, all the kids I've had during those 15 years and the ups and downs of business and and kind of that Einstein quote, you've learned every which way not to do it. So you've you've slowly refined the model and slowly re- refined how you help businesses. And, and so I thought I would first start out just kind of giving you a little bit of background on my journey of of on the outsourcing journey. If you follow me, you've probably if know I have a company called The Center where we um, do an outsourcing solution called Team Sourcing. And uh, my background is in accounting and finance. That's what I got my degree in. And um, but I'm definitely an entrepreneur at heart. I wouldn't say I'm a an accountant at heart. I, I went that pathway in college and I'm grateful for it because it gave me uh, the knowledge and the confidence that I needed to be able to have a business. Um, and also provided me food for my family during the 2008 crash. I started doing tax prep and other things during that time. So I was grateful for that skill to be able to fall back on. But my true love is business and entrepreneurship. It's something that I've, when I was just in grade school, I would, you know, I'd buy the big packs of fireballs from Costco. And I, I still remember this little Hello Kitty trash can that I, that I put the fireballs in. And at lunch, I remember sitting down on the concrete sidewalk with my friends and, and selling them. And then one time it knocked over and, and then people started saying what I was doing with it and tattled on me. And then I got called in the principal's office and they said I couldn't sell things. And I was devastated. I thought I was like going to jail or something. It was, it was a terrifying experience for me. And, uh, so now it's obviously something I laugh about, but uh, over the years, you know, I just I've I've learned, or I've I've just love business. I love entrepreneurship. I love what it does. I love the hardship it brings and the trials it brings to, to to businesses. And and I know you're thinking like trials. Why is that good? But I, I just think of how much I've learned by all the hardships and the struggles that I've had by being in business and and how much of a better person it's made me and how much it's allowed me to of all the employees that I've had and and um it's allowed me to really understand differences in people and appreciate those differences and and um always try to understand them you know cuz I can be very I I move fast and I can just plow forward and figure things out as I go and um but I realize not everybody's like me in that way so I ha- it forces me to be a little more empathetic and and understand that I need people around me that that bring out my strengths and that knowing what my weaknesses are so they can can uh, 
compliment like they they'll have strengths that are my weaknesses and I've just really learned to appreciate all those dynamics and and just with everything that's going on in the world it's uh actually was starting to like cry a little bit before this this uh just this live just reminiscing on on everything that's I've done in my life and and how much I've learned to just I've softened over the years I've learned to really love people and differences and, and appreciate it and I think as you get older, maybe you either get hardened or you get softened in this world. And and so I think softened, being softened and having a soft heart is, is definitely the way to go. And uh, and so after I after college, I worked at a couple of CPA firms getting back onto my journey here. And um, and I started to work with a lot of businesses, a lot on the back office side, as well as just meeting with tons of business owners. And, and I started to think like, wow, like they are tired and exhausted. And if this is what entrepreneurship is supposed to be, then I don't know if I want to be an entrepreneur like this is, doesn't sound so fun. And so I started to think about ways to help entrepreneurs. And this was back in 2006. And I started to think of virtual ways to help businesses. So it was kind of forward thinking at the time. Now it's pretty commonplace, especially with the pandemic and what that did for the virtual world. But but uh, I started to think about doing virtual bookkeeping. And then I started to think, well, if, if we do their bookkeeping virtual, a lot of times the front desk person might be doing a lot of the bookkeeping. So maybe we need to answer the phones too. And so I, I started to think about creating a telephone answering service company. And at the time, I thought I was pretty proprietary, like I didn't think anybody else was doing it. And then I realized that there's a whole world out there of what's called business process outsourcers or call centers for big corporations, like a lot of large corporations, like Fortune 500 corporations use a lot of outsourcing solutions and have for a while, but there wasn't a lot of solutions for the small business that were starting to happen around that 2006 time. Plus, um, that was when the four hour work week book was, was, um, written by Tim Ferriss. And, and so that kind of started a virtual assistant craze, specifically offshore outsourcing. And, and so it's just kind of spiraled and evolved from there. And over the years, for me, as I've, I've always taken it from the standpoint of what's going to help the business owner, like not what's going to make me the most money, if I wanted, if it was all about money for me, one, I would have uh, come up with a better, uh, an easier solution to create, because it's not easy grabbing all these visions of corporate of companies and then trying to standardize them proceduralize them and things like that but um so one i would have picked a simpler business model that didn't take a lot of employees and hr and all that and uh secondly i uh for a long time i wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and when i got remarried i didn't financially need it and and i remember crying in the shower was nine months pregnant like i can't do this anymore and and god's like no you have to do this and so i was like okay so so uh seven kids later and uh 15 years in business here i am and uh and so it's, it's been cool to see the evolution of my company through a team sourcing or a outsourcing model called team sourcing and then see the evolution of other outsourcing solutions out there as well and uh and i'm grateful for all of them i think as businesses we all need something different and we're all looking for something different personalities are different and so um and some businesses like to be more of a pro some entrepreneurs like to be more of a project manager and micromanage it where others want to be able to let go and, and, and be able to empower teams. And I think that's really where more my model fits in. And so it really depends on on your what you're wanting for yourself and your life and, and your expectations. So, so it's kind of evolved and grown over the years. And so why don't I just dig into the five different types of outsourcing? Um, I'll just kind of go into them briefly. I think I'll do some other lives where maybe I pick each one apart in more depth. 
and uh, and then we can go from there. So um, obviously a big one that you all have heard of is the virtual assistants. And, uh, and that is really more of like a one-to-one relationship where you're working with a virtual assistant, you're training them on how to do it. Um, a lot of virtual assistants will come with kind of a jack of all trades of knowing a lot of different things and a lot of different softwares. And so while they might not be heavily specialized in one area, um, they typically can do a lot of the administrative things that you need help with. And so, um, and so a lot of business owners, as they start getting a little more busy, they're like, oh, I need a virtual assistant. And so that's kind of usually the first step a lot of them will do is finding that VA. And, um, and that's great. Like it's, it allows business owners to start getting things off their plate. Um, some go offshore, some stay um, in the U.S., uh, there's definitely a lot. I think there was a big movement offshore, but now there's starting to become more of a movement back onshore. Um, especially the customer experience is so, I'm not going to spend a lot of time about that, but a lot of like our model was built around the customer experience and making sure that we can s- help serve your customers. And I think with the omni channel and with social media and all these things of ways you have to now correspond with your customers, it's gotten more complex as it be if you're a solopreneur. And so I think having a solution where they can actually help you with talking and communicating with your customers is important. So I think that might have been is probably part of the the reason for coming back on on shore. And so Belay is like a a popular VA company that's out there that's kind of grown a lot over the last, I don't know, I think three to five years. They're not super old company, but they've definitely scaled a lot in the last few years. Um, And so a lot of times, again, it's that one-to-one relationship. And so while that's good because you got one point person to be able to uh, delegate to and really work with closely and they can start to really understand you and your vision, things like that, it's hard to scale. It's a really tough model to scale with because now if you grow outgrow that VA, then you have to go find another one. And then turnover is is difficult because there's not redundancy and and they're not an employee. So a lot of, not that employees are fiercely loyal either, but like... But um, they they could easily go and leave and get another client, and then you're kind of left holding that work that they were doing. So, so there's definitely some pros and cons to uh, working with a VA, and a lot of times they don't have the level of like an executive assistant, and uh, and that's sometimes I you know I don't have an EA right now. I actually, but I've had them, and they're they're so it's so good to be able to just delegate things to them and them to understand kind of how to write as you, how to speak as you, (laughs) they become kind of the clone as you. And so those are having an EA is is great as well. So, so that's the first uh, type of outsourcing. Uh, The second type is more of a freelance fractional labor or uh, project outsourcing. They're all kind of one and the same. It's more of kind of like a VA, but more specialized. Um, They might be good at something in technology or um, a specific software or um, specific something specific in marketing, whether it be like Facebook ads or um, so you can find them specific niches. So whether you're going to like Upwork or I think there's like flex jobs or remote uh, work hub, things like that are some places where you can find more specialized help. And um, and that's really good. Like we have a, a somebody on Upwork that we use for Salesforce and it's just this one guy, and it's he's been great to work with. We use him when we need him to help customize things in Salesforce. We've used like full Salesforce consulting companies that like have full teams, and that was always tough because it was they couldn't really understand. It was there were so many handoffs that it was hard to fully understand them to fully understand our solution and our use case because it's pretty complex if you don't understand it. And so that's 
been worked really well for us. And so sometimes we go to Upwork too for our clients. So if they need something specific that we don't do in house, we can go and manage that project for them. So, um, so the, the, it's, it's so great if you just need short term projects or work. Um, so finding those freelancers or project um, solutions are great. And then uh, fractional labor is kind of sometimes it's defined different ways. The ways I start to define it is, is people look at it as they're paying for a fraction of a specialist time. So like if I need a bookkeeper, I'm going to pay for, you know, five hours of their 40 hour work week, or so I'm paying for just a fraction of their labor. And so it allows you to not have to, you can get all these specialized help without having to pay for 40 hours a week for every single, all these people. So you're able to uh, scale a team uh, with more specialized labor without having to you know, pay all the work. So this virtual world has made it so cool for small and medium businesses to be able to scale that was really hard before. And so a lot of times some of these uh, places where, uh, what is, what do they call those Uh, work, like those work environments where you all uh, go and kind of sit in these tables and man, what are they called? But you, you go and you, uh, they're kind of flex workplaces that you, and a lot of times people will find fractional labor there where you can go and use their help. So I think it's kind of a great trend. Uh, what I'm finding though is a lot of fractional people that wanted those jobs now realize that there's some value to being a part of a team and a culture that is missed when you're a freelancer. So that's something I can, I'll talk about on another live from the other angle. But uh, And then the third type of outsourcing is one that's been around for a long time. And this is really where outsourcing started was around the business process outsourcing or call center type world. And they're specifically typically geared towards larger organizations and um, really run They're They're set up to really not capture the vision as much of, of the organization and just kind of crank through the volume and, and get it done. And here's the process, here's the procedures, and and it's by the book. There's not a lot of thinking or strategy involved. And, and um, which to me is sad because like we've done high volume call accounts and different things. And to me, that gives you so much freedom to be able to optimize and strategize accounts. And so uh, empowering the team, even in an outsourcing situation, to find ways to improve it is amazing uh, in those situations. So it's it, I always struggle when call centers, they're more like this than not. I've, I don't find very many call centers where they're, they're very um, just strategic and, and look big picture and look at the vision of the company to be able to capture it. So um, I'm, not, I'm sure they're out there. I just don't see them a lot. So that's one of the definitely a con of of the BPOs is is not uh, really understanding the vision of the core of the company and um, finding ways to improve the operation. So, and then the fourth uh, type of outsourcing is like offshore, and um, and a lot of times like India did a big movement where the government paid to help get people paid trained for IT. So that's why you'll see a lot of IT going uh, to India and different places. We actually have a company that we work with out of India for some of our IT and, and they're kind of a a diamond in the rough though, because they, they know the turnover in India. So they've created a culture to have a lot less turnover because that's typically why people have struggled outsourcing to India for IT is because there's so much turnover in their, their technologists. And so, um, finding a company that that values that culture and that team is, is really important. Um, and then a lot of times VA work will be done in the Philippines. And, and now you're starting to see in a lot more countries, you know, they started ha- started having more of the those those countries that were mentioned, but now you're seeing a lot more in other other companies or other countries. 
Um, and obviously you have time zone and culture barriers that can, the time zones can be a pro or a con depending on uh, what you need done. I mean, sometimes getting things done in the off hours, so you wake up and it's done is great. But then if you're having meetings and trying to do a lot of that correspondence, that's where the time zones can get tricky. Um, and so uh, that's kind of where, you know, you just have to balance it. And I've seen people, you know, I, I, I get that they're paid a lot less over there. Um you know, there's people trying to pay like $3 an hour. And I know that that's like still more than they're making from a minimum wage perspective. But um, I'm all for helping improve different companies. I'm not saying you have to pay them market wage of what's over here. But I think um, always trying to find ways to not always just get the cheapest dollar, but make it a win-win for everybody and to also um, improve life and and um, just the world as a whole is is great. So um, and then the last one is team sourcing. And this is really a concept that I've created and even a, a term that I've created to really define what our organization is. And, and what I realized was how much turnover affects organizations. And um, if I had to look at anything over the last 15 years that probably set back my momentum and my growth the most, it would be turnover. And uh, you get going and then you might have, now we're getting bigger where the turnover doesn't affect us as much. We're able to kind of bring people in and, and fill those gaps easier. But in the early days, it was tough. Like just getting past that first 10 to 15 employees um, is, is rough when you have turnover. And it's, sometimes you feel like it takes you back a year and you're starting all over again. And so a lot of times when people compare costs of different things, they just look at dollar for dollar and they don't look at the opportunity costs of what is my lost revenue? What is my lost momentum? What is my, what is my lost, um, uh, like what, what have, uh, what have I been not able to do myself as a visionary without that as well? And so what I've started to do is build a team sourcing concept, which is, uh, you have a customer experience team, which is assigned to you and it's a small team and you still have your point person. So you can just build your vision to and and all your ideas to and and be able to get the work done but you no longer have to become a glorified project manager of five different people or 10 different people you can have you can have a team but have still have point people within that team and then that team is really focused on the customer experience and so what's cool is we've really combined the telephone answering service company that I originally started way back in the day with the VA model as well as a freelance model and and in-house teams and kind of put it all together as one. So we really care about understanding the vision of the company. And and kind of the first phase for us when we start working with clients is just getting running at your same speed. You know, okay, what are some quick wins we can do for you? What are some things that are dropping off? What are the pain points? And what, you know, getting to know your technology and your software that you're using. So we align our people, process, and technology together. And that's kind of the first phase of team sourcing when we work with companies. And, uh, and the goal is, again, just to get running with you. And then the second phase is where we start to get strategize and optimize and automate things and, and really start to improve um, your, your systems and operations and even your marketing and things like that. And so it uh, allows us to, again, have the benefit of an in-house team where we start to understand your vision and strategize and optimize with you. We have the, the phone answering and the tasks combined, where a lot of times it's tough because, you know, you assign somebody tasks to do, but they don't have a way to email your customers or call them on the phone or or answer calls if you're doing a, a marketing campaign. It's cool to be able to have somebody that will answer those leads that come in because growth is tough because, yeah, 
you know, yeah, you're bringing in more revenue, but that comes more customer support, that comes more phone and so that comes more emails. And so the fact that we have a model that can grow and scale with you is great. And um, and so we, we combine the virtual assistant type tasks, the freelance type specialized tasks, because we have backend departments like marketing and technology and accounting that can do some of those more specialized skills that the customer experience pod can't do, even um, employee experience. So we have, it's been really cool to see the model evolve and grow and really solve the, the problems of business owners because because um, I've started recently working with um, or meeting with a few more businesses because we've kind of grown pretty fast where I've jumped in doing some lead appointments and it's been pretty cool. And I realized how much I miss working with businesses. And so it's got my mind going on ways I can create um, some programs or masterminds to really start working with businesses closely again, at more of a group level. Um, Cause I miss it. I miss ta- hearing their pain points and seeing how I can troubleshoot and problem solve them. I don't like to go granular, but I like to just do those initial meetings and get people's mind going. And, uh, and so as I was meeting with these business owners, like one of them says, you know, I'm using this company over here to answer my phones and I'm using this company over here to do my administrative tasks. And then, but it's tough because you have all these disjointed outsourcing solutions, plus maybe an in-house team. And so it almost makes you, like I said, a glorified project manager where you're, where you're, um, utilize or having to manage all that. And it can actually make you less, you know, less productive. And so it's, uh, it's definitely been a model that I is dear to my heart. And, and it's not for every business, though, because some people struggle letting go and uh, struggle um, wanting to, like, they want that kind of more micromanaged approach to teams where they just tell them what to do, where we work really good with clients that are willing to just empower our team to grow and, and find ways to make their, their business better as well and, and us continuing to understand their vision, which leads me to... Um, kind of just five pitfalls I've seen just talking with businesses and seeing like what it, what's the barriers that is keeping companies from outsourcing. And so one I kind of mentioned briefly, but you know, you have this vision and you don't know how to like articulate it to the people that you're outsourcing because you're, you see it so clearly. And so it's hard to know like where to start. And so just, so finding somebody that one is willing to learn, understand your vision and just letting you spill it all out. And then they can work with you to find the next best step. So um, that's definitely something I think businesses struggling struggle with. And then the second one is knowing what the first thing you should hand off is. And I always suggest doing things that are quick wins and that allow you to build trust rapport with the, the outsourcing company you're working with. So finding if you're having leads drop off and you need them contacted, if you have, you're not able to get to your phones, or your emails, like those are all quick wins. But if you have something specific that's like a major, major pain point for you that's dragging you down, like tack that first as well. So I suggest doing kind of an inventory list and really um, figure out where you're spending your time and where you should be outsourcing. All right, the third is a big one, which is learning to let go. We want to control everything. We want to, uh, we just want to hold it tight and be able, and it's because it's our baby. And I understand that I've been through that and it, it uh, it's hard to let go and, and trust somebody to, to be able to take it and run with it. Something that I've learned, though, is when you have the right people doing the work that that either you're not good at or you shouldn't be doing, it feels so good to see somebody else succeed at it. And then I find a lot of times they do it way better than than we could ever do it as entrepreneurs or visionaries. So that's always a a hard, hard one to do. Um, And then the fourth one 
is doing projects and communication virtually. And this is something that I think the pandemic has really helped with. We were, you know, we've been a virtual company for I think over five years now. And and so being virtual has been um, comes easy to us, but it, it was tough sometimes when businesses, um, maybe they're a construction company and they're out and about, but they're having to delegate uh, admin stuff virtually. But now so much is done through our phones that it's really evolved and allowed field service or brick and mortar type companies to use virtual teams as well. So it used to just be a lot of online companies that that use them, but now we're finding more and more construction and brick and mortar companies using outsourcing solutions as well. Because it's hard to keep your admin staff busy in-house and and a lot of times you don't need a full-time staff, things like that. So, all right. And number five, I'm trying to keep this concise, but I, I could keep going on forever about this stuff. So, okay. Number five is understanding the opportunity costs of doing all the work yourself. And I've talked a little bit about this earlier, um, but so often we're like, oh, you know, I, that, I don't want to do that. I can hire somebody for, you know, $3 an hour overseas, or I can hire somebody for, you know, $10, $12 an hour in-house or $15, $18 an hour, depending on what you're hiring. And, and so when you outsource, obviously the business has to make money as well. So when you look at the hour per hour rate, you're like, oh, I can hire somebody in-house cheaper. But having hired a lot of employees and knowing how difficult HR is and and having uh, employees stay, like having that turnover is so hard on businesses. You lose so much momentum. You lose so much growth. And, and just will it, being able to just work on your vision and scale it at a faster rate. Uh, what you pay in extra costs is going to be way more or way less than the the momentum and lost revenue that you'll have. Um, and so I just encourage you to think big picture. It's so easy just to look at that one, one, you know, make sure that one factor and, but look at what the opportunity costs are by doing that. And it's not something that I think we forget to do. So hopefully this was helpful. I just listed the five kind of, kind of the ways I've bundled outsourcing other people bundle them in different ways. But, but, um, those are really the, the five outsourcing solutions that are out there for, for businesses. And I think it's exciting all the options out there because you get to really build the company and organization the way you want it to be and based on the lifestyle that you want. So if you have any questions, uh, shoot me, uh, you can go into my, uh, any of my socials, miss me Apollos, and you can send me a direct message there. So, all right. Thanks everybody. I will talk to you guys next week. No, it doesn't have to be so hard No, it doesn't have to be so hard Business and life made simple